This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Well, always delighted to be able to talk a little basketball with the elite writer for Mile High Sports. That would be Ryan Blackburn. NBA Blackburn is the handle on Twitter. And, of course, you can catch him on the Pickaxe and Roll podcast uh, anywhere you want to find those. Of course, you can find it on MileHighSports.com. Also on YouTube video and put that together as well. Uh, Ryan, thank you for joining us. And, and obviously, uh, this is going to be a, a momentous time for the Denver Nuggets. It's uncharted waters for them, not only just to be here, but to be so heavily favorited. And w- w- Sandy and I have spent the last, uh, well, the day and and the day before trying to break down where Miami can come in and maybe compete in this series. And I, I think we haven't been able to find that, that if the Nuggets play their brand of basketball, how Miami can take four games. Is there a way that you see that we don't? Yeah, I think. I think first of all, <laughs> today today's a madhouse at, at <laughs> NBA Media Day, and and so there's there's been a lot of uh, distractions. There's been a lot of hoopla. There's been a lot of uh, events that are going on right now, and it's an environment that I'm sure not a lot of Nuggets players, not a lot of Nuggets personnel and fans are even really used to before, and. That, that's one thing that I think like if, if this Nuggets team does get caught up in, in kind of how big this event is, then it wouldn't surprise me if Miami plays with a little bit more poise in, in those moments. I don't think that's going to happen because just being around this team, you, you get the sense that this is, very, this is very real for them. They're trying to stay grounded. They're trying to stay in the moment and get the job done. But for a lot of teams, this could be a spot where they erode a little bit. And, and if, if you're asking for a pass, that's probably the way to it. Is you, you start making some mental mistakes that you didn't really make before, and then a team like Miami capitalizes on them. It's interesting because uh, I, I, I do think home court matters, but this is a new environment for – most everybody, even uh, apart from Spolstra, most of the guys on the Heat, I mean, they were in the finals in the bubble. And certainly you didn't have this kind of uh, uh, madness uh, going on the day before right. uh, the, the NBA uh, finals with all the social distancing and uh, so on that made the bubble really a unique uh, experience that uh, uh, thankfully it doesn't uh, seem we'll have to go through again in our lifetimes, hopefully not, uh, but Knock, knocking on every yeah, wood I could find, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, in the, in this series, it, 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 I think comes down for, for a lot of us to the, the idea that probably two of the three best players in the series play for the nuggets and maybe the fifth through seventh best players also play for the nuggets. And I, it, how Miami's going to be able to overcome that to win four games out of seven is hard for a lot of people to envision. And obviously for the odds makers, uh, the two, uh, actually four most uh, likely bets are nuggets and five nuggets and seven nuggets and six and nuggets in a sweep. Right. Before you even wow. get to any Miami scenarios. Wow. So yeah, that I mean, the disrespect card that Michael Malone's been playing up until now 
won't work in quite the same way in this series because whether it's the public or the national media, everybody's picking the Nuggets. Yeah, I think I think there's there's salient points there about just how much more talented Denver is, uh, just in a vacuum. Like like what what they've been able to prove over the course of these playoffs. Often, when you have the best player in the series, you're going to win the series. And if we're being honest, Jimmy Butler's been the best player in every series that he's played so far. Whether it was against Milwaukee, where Giannis kind of is half of his normal self with the back injury, and then can't really recover from that whether it's new york where he's didn't have to do anything crazy going up against jalen brunson or if it's boston and then jason tatum having some moments but certainly not enough to really be able to stabilize things this is one where if you're miami you're hoping against all hope that bam Adebayo can slow down Nikola Jokic because nobody's been able to do it so far Jokic has been the best player in every series that he's played in so far uh, and, and Murray's given him a great run for his money, if we're being honest. So I do think that you're right, that when you have such an imbalance here when it comes to the actual talent level, that's how a lot of people will think about it. But the, the great thing about the Nuggets' talent is it's all so designed to uh, complement each other and complement the strengths and weaknesses of the team in order to generate the best group possible. And you, you have these talented players that have come together and have fit really well. And that's when magic can really be made. The wild card guys in this series, uh, and maybe it's our perspective from here in Denver because we haven't seen these guys nearly as often. But I think even to the Heat, somebody like Caleb Martin is a major surprise, a very pleasant one, but a major surprise because this is a guy before the injuries hit who, who really was almost kind of a forgotten man, certainly not considered as a major offensive threat, but he's been arguably over the last seven playoff games, the series against Boston, even better than Butler. I mean, the MVP vote for the Eastern Conference Finals was five to four in Butler's favor. There were four people who thought Caleb Martin should have been the conference. MVP. I mean, it wasn't five to four in favor of Jokic in the Western Conference. It was overwhelming. Uh, everybody knew that Jokic was the MVP. And yet with Miami, there's this guy who's kind of come out of nowhere. And I'm I'm wondering if the, the sense is that he and maybe Vincent and Robinson, too, are playing so far over their heads that it won't be sustainable throughout the Nuggets series, or is there, geez, they, maybe they found a diamond on the rough who's just all of a sudden coming into focus as a terrific player at both ends of the floor. You never know when, you're, when your NBA finals moments or, or your NBA star moments is going to happen. Uh, and sometimes we, we are late to that party and, and miss something that's actually going on. I don't know if that's what's going on with Caleb Martin right now. I don't think that that's what's going on with Caleb Martin. But you do have to give him credit, of course. The way that he has stepped up and filled the void and kind of departed by Tyler Hero and the injury that, that he sustained. Kyle Lowry isn't the same player that he once well, he's was. He's 37. Yeah. yeah, Kevin Love, same thing. Like that's, it's hard, yeah, he's it's hard hurt to ask now, can't play. to do more. Yeah. 
right? Like that's, 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 that's of course. So you, you need your other guys to step up. And in, in much the way that Bruce Brown has stepped up on, on a similar contract to what Caleb Martin has put out there, I uh, want he has, uh, those guys are, are stepping up and, and doing so in the biggest moments. And uh, two massive additions to, to these two teams and two culture guys for sure, just stepping up in the way that they have. Uh, Martin, we'll see if he continues it. I think the Nuggets are, I think they feel comfortable that he won't. But, I mean, they're, they're not going to rule it out, that's for sure. Well, it, who do you put on him? I mean, I, I think that, that becomes interesting. Um, you know, I think we know Aaron Gordon will spend a lot of time on Butler and obviously Jokic on uh, Adebayo. But, you know, Caleb Martin's kind of, again, what the, the one matchup that I, I wonder, at, you know, who, who covers him uh, exactly? Uh, I think you might have to put KCP on him. You might have to. Yeah, like well, KCP, they, they're the same I size. Think, I think that's where you start. Yeah. Maybe that's how you start. Yeah. yeah it, and it Bruce Brown could play to, him. Bruce Brown could play him. But Bruce Brown may have to play Butler, too. He can't guard two guys at once. Also, like, Michael Porter's going to be fine in that matchup, I think. There, there's If they're going to attack Michael Porter every time, I, I think that Michael Porter's proven over the course of this run and this season that, that he's, he can hold up on the defensive end, I think, better than a lot of people previously thought. Uh, but it's going to be interesting. I, I wonder what Miami does with their starting group if they stay with the same group that they had at the end of Game 7. Or if they go back to playing big and, and maybe they play Kevin Love and if they do, but play he's Kevin hurt. Love, uh, he's hurt. He's out. Uh, you know, and it, it, the only other big they have is Zeller. Uh, it, 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 I mean, you're not going to yank Martin. That, it, you just put him into the starting lineup, and he's responded brilliantly. It, 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 no, I, I'm, sure. I'm saying maybe he wasn't their best player, and in the in the Boston series, but in the last two games he was. No, there's no by, doubt. by far, if, by if far, they, much better than Butler and Adebayo in the last two games. Yeah, if, if they if they try to stick Michael Porter on Caleb Martin, then I, I do think that Miami will attack that matchup, and we're going to see whether no whether Caleb I agree Martin, with that. whether he's going to continue to flourish in that matchup, or if he's going to uh, kind of regress back to earth. Because we we do have to remember that like th- this was. This was not what he was during the regular season. This was not what he was even in a couple of the previous rounds. He's really turned himself into something uh, much better and, and much more valuable in the conference finals, and, and that could uh, continue. But every series is different, and everything will take on its own different personality. He was one of the main characters in that Celtic series, and whether he is in, in this Nuggets series or not, that remains to be seen. But, of course, if you're the Nuggets, you have to assume it's for real. Just like we have playoff Jamal. Jamal Murray's a massively better player in the playoffs over the course of his career. You have to make the assumption that what you're seeing from Caleb Martin is it's playoff Caleb. This is the real deal. The Lakers series. going to make a hell of a lot of money. We know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. He and Bruce Brown are cashing in after this year. But the, uh, the, the situation with Christian Brown is interesting to me, right? Because, of course, he looked a little overmatched at, at times in, in the Lakers uh, series and then, of course, didn't play. Do you expect to see more of him against the Heat? If you do, in what capacity? Yeah, I would expect him to be in the in the in the rotation initially. I think that Denver's going back to their eight man group, and and it's worked. It, it's worked to this point, and they haven't come up against the team that's really bothered them with that. They decided that they wanted to cut Christian Bounds' minutes 
in that Lakers series or, or like cut them down a little bit just because it wasn't a great matchup for him. I think this is a way better matchup for Christian Brown. Agreed. You want guys that can compete. You want guys that are hungry. You want guys that will battle. And you want them to be able to defend some wings. And and that team is going to defend. Speaking of Caleb open. Martin, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe that's a guy who gets uh, a look. And, uh, you know, uh, George Carl was telling us before, he, uh, a little earlier um, on the podcast we do with him, that he watched the regular season game in Miami. And one thing, uh, even when it came to uh, going up against Jimmy Butler, one thing you could say about Christian Brown was he wasn't running scared. Even against Butler, he was not scared. And he didn't play well against the Lakers, uh, didn't play that well against Phoenix or Minnesota either. But one thing you can say about him is that he is never going to be scared. He may not play well, but he's not scared. Yeah, I, th- I think he'll be back with the rotation. He will. He'll step up in this moment. That and whether he hits shots or not, that remains to be seen. I don't think he's hit a shot in a while from the outside. So that's something that I'll be looking for. Does Miami just not guard him within their zone? Do they try to dare him to beat them on the offensive end so that they can play him off the floor a little bit? Or does Christian Brown step up in that moment and, and hit those shots? And like because that's part of the conversation with it. I know that Christian Brown will bring it defensively. I have no doubt about that. I know he'll try to get on the glass, too. But the Heat are going to try to dig at his weaknesses. And right now his biggest weakness is the confidence in the shot and and just not being able to do too much outside of that offensively. So if he can do stuff, then that that means that he may have a role in this series. But if he can't, then you're you're cutting down the rotation again. Can the Heat compete with the Nuggets without good three-point shooting? And do you feel confident enough in the Nuggets' three-point defense, which I think had been somewhat underrated over the course of the season, to hold up? Yeah, I, I don't think that Miami can compete with Denver if their three-point shooting isn't as good or better than what the Nuggets have put up because the Nuggets are going to dominate on the interior. They have so much more size. They can get to the free throw line. They like to navigate those mid-range spots, and then they're going to grab some offensive rebounds. So there will be plenty of paint points to go around. Uh, but the three-point shooting, that's what's really stood out, obviously, with Miami. They've been fantastic. I think they're 43% on catch-and-shoot threes in the playoffs so far, which leads the NBA over Denver. So I, I think there's going to be some some interesting things there. And if Denver, if, if they're always in rotation, if they're always trying to catch up to the Miami Heat three-point shooters, then that's going to be that's going to be a problem because those guys are unafraid as well. They've, they've been here. They've been to this moment before. And, well and said. they know what to expect. Well said. They're not scared. He no, is sure. Ryan Blackburn. Of course, you can catch him as the uh, host of the Pickaxe and Roll podcast. You can find that on Miley Sports and on YouTube. And, of course, uh, Ryan will be uh, the man you want to follow during this uh, NBA Finals run, of course. Uh, and he will be uh, headed to Miami as well for uh, Games 3 and Game 4. And uh, hopefully, hey, I, I know it's, it's cool, South Beach and everything. Hopefully, you just have the one trip. I'm hoping that would be that would be great. I, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be wearing the shirts open. Those are those are coming out at, at the beach. That's definitely happening, and uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to to the to the experience. This Nuggets team, I, I think they've earned this, and, and they've earned the opportunity to uh, to to take advantage of this moment. And and I, I think that we have to as a media contingent. So let's let's take advantage of it for sure. What's your pick? Nuggets and five. That makes three of us. Three for three. 
for Danny Bailey's waving over there in the booth too. So uh, yeah, okay, we like this See, the uh, so-called gentleman sweep. I don't think Nuggets fans care how they take it, but I'll tell you what, uh, the sweep would be fun. I'll be totally honest. Uh, as a guy that's born and raised here, I'd love to see him win it in five on the home floor. Me too. I, I think that's an underrated part of it. Denver fans have not been able to enjoy the clinching game yet on, on the home floor uh, outside of against Minnesota. Uh, in Phoenix, they clinched. In L.A., they clinched. It would be nice if they could clinch at home in Denver. We'll find out. He is Ryan Blackburn, NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Of course, our lead writer for Mile High Sports. Make sure you check him out there. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Always good to talk to Ryan. And uh, one of the things that Ryan does after, not only immediately after the games, does he just keep grinding, keeps working and working, turning things on uh, after the game. If you're, if you're not a night owl like me, you're up after the game, you're thinking uh, you can actually just go and follow Ryan. He'll be on YouTube. He's doing the, these things till 1230 in the morning. Uh, every morning breaking down the game. So great follow for you night owls like me. Uh, it, it's always good talking to him. And one of the things he does that's interesting that I do want to talk about with you, Sandy, is Ryan puts together a great graphic of Michael Malone's rotations. Michael Malone's rotations, shall we say, historically have been less than creative, but this playoffs have things changed. We'll talk about it next on Mile Sports. Sandy Clough and Sean Trotar, presented by Burnham Law. Hire the winner at BurnhamLaw.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Denver Nuggets host the Miami Heat tomorrow in game one of the NBA Finals. It still sounds a little weird, but there it is. We had Ryan Blackburn on a moment ago. He had Nuggets in five. Sandy has Nuggets in five. I have Nuggets in five. Danny Bailey has Nuggets in five. I want to know what you think. Our call in our text line is 303 831 1340, the coaching matchup. When you're talking about the talent in this matchup, Sandy, the Nuggets have the edge. They are deeper and they're better. As great as Jimmy Butler is with uh, age being something of a factor and we're seeing some of the fatigue kick in, uh, Jokic is the best player on the planet. You pointed it out earlier. If you were to rank the players in order, I probably put Jokic is the best player. Jimmy Butler is the second best player. Jamal Murray is the third best player. And then I, I think five, you, six, and seven would. You want to you want to throw out a bio or Martin Nuggets maybe too. there, but after that it's uh, in some yeah, order. Yeah, bio or Martin uh, number four. And then it's it's in but whatever then five, order you six, want. And seven. Gordon Brown, uh, I, I KCP, Porter Jr. might be Nuggets. And and so yeah. we know they're the deeper team. We know they're the more talented team. We know they're the more efficient and effective team. And we know they have home court advantage. What they don't have is a coach that's been there and done that. And right. he do. Yeah. And we saw Eric Spolstra over the course of these playoffs. And I, you know, I know you've, uh, you stay on top of it. And I, I spent uh, a little bit of time this week trying to rewatch some of the heat games that I had recorded to see a little bit more. Uh, Spolstra, given their injury situations, remember they lost Victor Oladipo and they didn't have Tyler Hero. As then to get really creative as the eight seed, as the underdog top to bottom and creativity as what he does in moment-to-moment situations. Remember, it's very easy to look at how the final of Game 7 ended and realize that for a significant amount of time, that game was not only in doubt, but the Heat maybe looked like they were in trouble. But some creative substitutions at the right time, matchups that 
Spolster took advantage of, tipped the game, and it's happened in multiple games all playoffs long. Uh, you take nothing away from players. Players win games. But if Spolster is not the head coach of the Miami Heat, I do not think they are here in Denver to play the Nuggets in the finals. There isn't a coach in the NBA who has year in and year out gotten more out of his players than Eric Spolster. Um, if you talk to people in and around uh, the NBA, uh, they will tell you uh, that there were times during this season in which Eric Spolstra fought his team a little bit. I don't mean that literally. Right, right. But, but you know, wanted right. to do things and was encountering it's a, a little, normal, little, it's little normal. bit of resistance. But especially offensively, late in the year, something seemed to click. And they weren't a good three-point shooting team during the year. They have been in the playoffs. They really had trouble scoring during the year. And they've been able to score, especially when they've needed to score, in the playoffs. Remember, this is a team that was outscored during the season. They won 44 and lost 38, but they were outscored by .3 points per game. They had a negative .4 points against differential. Okay, They were 21st in the league, not even top 20 in the league in point differential. Offensive rating. 25th defensive rating, ninth. They're, they're top 10 defensive team throughout most of the year. The Nuggets were a top 10 defensive team the second half of the year. They weren't even a top 20 defensive team earlier in the year. Right. But the Heat in the playoffs have not been the worst offensive team. They were 25th in a league of 30 teams during the season. Uh, their net rating was minus 0 0.5, uh, dragged down by the offense, 21st in the league. The Nuggets' net rating was 6th in the league. Their offense was 5th in the league. Their point differential was 6th in the league. Uh, the Nuggets had the 4th best record in the league, and the Heat were down there with 44 wins, and they had to go a little bit late in the season, just to put themselves in a position to host the first play-in tournament game, which they proceeded to lose to the less-than-awesome Atlanta Hawks. Less-than-awesome. down in the fourth quarter against the even less awesome than that Chicago Bulls. They're losing in Miami in the fourth quarter to the Chicago Bulls. With seven minutes to go, they're behind. They go on to win that game scratch their way into eighth place, and they've been terrific ever since. Not dominant in the way the Nuggets have been out west, but, I mean, he outcoached Mike and Mike Budenholzer of Milwaukee, and that led to Budenholzer's being fired. There was such a gap in the minds of the Milwaukee people. He outcoached Tom Thibodeau, who had a great coaching year with the New York Knickerbockers as a lower seed, right, in round number two in the conference semifinals. And then the conference finals, it was there for all eyes to see that he coached circles around Joe Missoula, certainly during the first three games and in game seven, as you mentioned the other night. And, you know, Thibodeau is coming back next year with the Knicks and 
from what I hear, Missoula is likely to come back. Yes. With the Celtics. The the but there are major questions being asked about at least two of those three coaches because the coaching uh, was so superior on the Miami side. I, I don't know because Malone is now a, a seasoned head coach who's been around the playoffs a lot and actually yeah. is one of the few non-championship coaches in basketball history have coached more than 60 playoff games and have a winning record. That's that's a pretty notable thing for yeah. him, and he's certainly a seasoned playoff coach. I mean, they've been in the playoffs uh, five straight years now, so he knows his way around. But we have to remember this. Going into the playoffs this year, the Nuggets lost 14 of the last 20 playoff games. Right. So uh, even though they were the number one seed, I think there were some doubts and – you know, the Nuggets don't talk about this, and I, I get that. But for all their, uh, Malone in particular, uh, complaining about how the Nuggets weren't given their due, well, how much due is appropriate for a team that's lost 14 of its last 20 playoff games, even if they did finish with the best record in the West during the season? In, in a Western conference that was considered the weaker of the two conferences, at least during the season, although during the playoffs, Thanks to the way the Nuggets have played, I've been more impressed by Western Conference playoff basketball than Eastern Conference playoff basketball. And you saw the, the number one seed go out right away at the hands of the Miami Heat. Uh, and, you know, people say, well, Giannis is hurt. Well, that's true. Giannis played in the last three games right. of that series. Yes. And it wasn't 100%, but it's still, well, well okay, Milwaukee was the better but team. But Milwaukee didn't have Hero at all. Yeah, yeah. And, Oladipo yeah, Miami was, was still injured. missing. Uh, they, they were missing guys. Yeah, Hero got hurt in the first game. Uh, Oladipo was already guys. out. Yeah, it's they were missing guys. So in the in the moment, in the moment, in these close games, is there re- any reason to believe that Malone can match Spolstra move for move? I don't move think he has to from X's and O's, or does I, it matter because think, basically his roster is more talented? I don't talented. think he has to do that, but he has to maybe even more than he has already in the playoffs be willing to relinquish some control. And he's shown some flexibility in substituting the playoffs that hasn't been apparent in any of the years prior to this one, even including this year in the regular season. He's shown some flexibility, adaptability. Uh, Jokic got in foul trouble in game three of the Lakers series, four fouls, middle of the third quarter. Uh, he had to sit him out the last six minutes of the third quarter. That's not the way it usually works with Nikola Jokic. He's usually in there until the end of the third quarter. Maybe the toward the end of the third quarter he'll come out and then arrest him the first three, four minutes of, of the fourth quarter. But it's basically standard operating procedure. And in the series against the Lakers, there are at least two occasions, one due to foul trouble, as I mentioned, but another occasion where there was an unusually long break between the third and fourth quarters because they were reviewing a play at the end of the quarter, a goaltending play. Mm-hmm. It ended up working out in the Nuggets' favor, but they had to review it, then come back and play the last .5 seconds of the third period after a long break. And then after the .5 seconds were up, they broke again and took the normal break between the third and fourth quarters, which in the playoffs is all uh, a longer break than you get during the regular season between the third and fourth quarters. So normally that would have been a spot where Jokic is sitting on the bench, but with all that delay, Malone correctly left Jokic in 
at the start mm-hmm. of the fourth quarter. Right. Some, and without Jokic being in the something game, out of character. Jamal Murray, who was at one point in that game three for 15, might not have taken off because the Lakers at the start of the fourth quarter had to defend Jokic. That had to be their priority. They ignored Murray. Murray got going, hit a shot or two. And by the time they started paying attention to Murray, it was too late. He was on fire. Jokic did get his fourth quarter rest. He just got it a little later into the fourth quarter than he usually did. And the Nuggets have run more, especially at home uh, in the playoffs. But sometimes it's been one of those deals where they get 17 transition points or fast break points in the first half and two in a second. And that was game one. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's how the Nuggets got into trouble and almost blew a huge lead. So when you look at the coaching matchup, and and as you said, Malone doesn't have to go blow for blow with with Spolstra. No, of course not. But He has the talent advantage. He has more buttons to push. What situations could come up in which you would be concerned that Spolstra's acumen would give the Heat an edge? What would that look like? Uh, If Spolstra can come up with a way to... really frustrate Murray and force Jokic not just to be a 30-point score, but a 40-point score, it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense, but the Nuggets are more dangerous when Jokic is scoring 25 to 30 points as opposed to 40 to 45 points or more than 45 points, which we have seen him do. Uh, this year in the playoffs, that 53-point game against Phoenix stands out. But the Nuggets lost that game. He had a triple-double in the previous game against Phoenix. And Murray was good, but not as spectacular as he's been on other occasions. And the Nuggets lost that game. And they lost to Minnesota in what turned out to be kind of a, a meaningless game after the Nuggets were up 3-0. He had 43 points, but only six assists, and no one else scored 20 points for the Nuggets. That came. so that 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 would impress me if he found a way to somehow defend Jokic that uh, eluded other coaches, other tandems like Gobert and Towns, uh, Durant and Ayton, uh, LeBron and Davis. They've been able to handle him. Overall, That's the thing. How, how many? Think so about this. How many? Uh, what? What can Miami cook up? Right. That would would keep Jokic from affecting the game as a playmaker and as a scorer in equal measure. Uh, somebody uh, had suggested that the Nuggets are more dangerous when Jokic scores twenty five points and has fifteen assists and might take oh twelve shots at the basket. As opposed to Jokic scoring 40 points with five assists. And he had 43 points and six assists in that Minnesota overtime loss. One of three games the Nuggets have lost. You'd rather have 43 and six assist Jokic than 25.15 assist Jokic. Because 15 assists means, means everybody's involved. Right, involved. right, it's involving everybody, and that's the danger. That's sort of the the, the, the cheat code that Nikola Jokic puts together for you. And and that part... Can you imagine, though, maybe with the exception of Wilt, saying, you know what, let him have his 40. 
<laughs> let them have That's, even fifty. It's, it's not even. It's not even that. It's the Nuggets sit in might your be easier to beat if he has to take a huge it's sitting in scoring and burden saying, and put it on his shoulder. This is what we should do. I mean, think about that. That that's there. That's that's the good plan. That when the stereotypical pick your poison, that's the one you're okay with. The other thing is that uh, when he's on the high post, maybe you put less size on him, and you do double team him a little bit and that's swarm possible. him, and force the Nuggets to put him in the low post where little guys can't bother him. But it slows the game down. The game is faster when Jokic is at the high post. Yes. As opposed to being down low and they're walking it up and dumping it into Jokic. And, of course, he can operate down there. But against size, against single coverage, the passing outlets might not be as readily available. And you jam up the game and you slow the game down. But it this is I, I wouldn't even think of it uh and unless it were somebody like Kerr or a Popovich with a good team. Uh other than those two, uh, I wouldn't even give a thought to a coach being able to conceive something that might even slow the nuggets down a little bit, but Spolster is capable of it. And they call it junk defense, but I, I think in the NBA it's an advantage to be able to come up with different coverages. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure if, uh, the Nuggets win tonight, uh, tomorrow night, that they won't be talking about all the different looks that Miami put on them, and they'll say they've seen it all before, and they might even be right. But I think he has more tricks up his sleeve than most coaches do because he thinks about this stuff. And he's been well-trained over the better part of the last 30 years, starting as a video coordinator. I don't think there's a coach in the game who is more prepared to be a head coach when he started. And then everybody said, well, Riley will be looming over his shoulder all the time. But Riley didn't do that. Nope. And, And people kept waiting for something to go wrong, and then Riley would jump in as he had uh, during the 2006 championship season. But that never happened. It never happened. And here we are 15 years later, and a guy's been in the NBA Finals six times, and he has multiple championships. And the guy running the team uh, has been in literally one out of every four NBA Finals in some capacity. Pat Riley, Calvin Booth, a first-time GM in his first year. We we suggested this today, I I believe, with Bruce in the morning real quick, that Riley was obviously a better coach than he was a player. Is it possible? as good a coach as he was, that Riley could be at the end of his time as lead executive in Miami viewed as an even better executive than he was the funny a, thing a is coach. I can't say Jerry no. West was a better executive than he was a coach. I can't say no. Why can't Pat Riley be a better executive? Stunning. I'll tell you what, if they win the title this year, he's got a hell of an argument. The Nuggets, of course, want to make sure that that does not happen. The goalie Jokic has faced some... Well, they were thought to be roadblocked. Ran right through them. What would make Bam and Abayo different? Well, we'll find out. But I give you some numbers that may be, well, heartening for Nuggets fans. We'll do that next on My Life Sports.
This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Sandy, because of the size of the Miami Heat, we talked about Bam Adebayo being basically their best weapon, and double teaming Nikola Jokic, of course, the recipe for success. Now, Bam Adebayo is six foot nine, two fifty five. This is what he's listed at. Four-time All-Defensive Team. Now, Nikola Jokic is listed at 6'11", 285. But here's the thing with Adebayo. Well-respected players, an all-star twice, a four-time All-Defensive Team. Let's just focus on the defense. Anthony Davis is a four-time All-Defensive Team, like Adebayo. He's also won the block title for the NBA three different times. And he's a four-time All-NBA player. Adebayo has never been All-NBA player. Rudy Gobert is also a four-time All-NBA player, has a block title, has a rebound title, six times All-Defensive team, three-time Defensive Player of the Year winner. Jokic did not have any significant problem with Gobert or Davis to the point where both guys stopped becoming his primary defender. And they were used as rovers. And were used as rovers. Adebayo can't be used as a rover. Because there's nobody else with size. So so that option, what what temporarily worked, and I don't even know how well it worked, the Lakers got swept. But what temporarily appeared to work, the Heat can't do. They don't have the personnel. No, uh, but depending on how the Nuggets align themselves, they, there's some things they can try. But, again, to me, the key player is Murray here. Jokic I agree with that. is impossible to rattle. It, it just it can't be done. Maybe earlier in his career, um, when he wasn't quite as mature or as well-conditioned as he is now, you could get under his skin and maybe he'd stop shooting as he did here and there, and this is, in fact, five, six years ago when, when this stuff was going on. And and I I can't remember it going on very much uh, starting in 1920 and obviously going through the MVP years and this year. It, that that didn't happen. But th- there were times that it did. It it doesn't happen anymore. Um, I, I, I think Murray's the guy they they have to try to take away. And, and limit somehow. And that'll be the challenge. This is a, such an immense opportunity for either Porter Jr. or Gordon, or we, we've seen it at times. Uh, Catavius Caldwell-Pope has popped up and had uh, 20 points here and there. But this is, it, it's funny. I look at the player that I would say simultaneously has the most to prove and has the biggest opportunity. And as much as we're talking about Jokic and Murray and Butler and Adebayo, and we should, it's Michael Porter Jr. If Michael Porter Jr. goes out there and plays the kind of games that we've seen, if he's if he's in the 9 to 10 to 11 rebound range, putting up at least 18 points a game and popping over that yep. from time to time, that may be that may be a lot to ask. The nugget, but if he well, is it though? Because here's what he's well, averaging. he didn't come close to averaging that against the Lakers. Uh, I'm just not saying. against the Lakers, but in the playoffs and in the playoffs, he's not been an. He's been to he has not. He's been fourteen point six right. and eight. Right. But my my point here is, this is Porter that, Junior's opportunity fine. 
if mm. he plays up to the level in which he could play. I don't know that you want him getting terribly frisky beyond what he's done already. I, I, I think he, I know he's got the max deal and people are taking notes. Rightly 40, so of improvement. 40.83. But he's not a max player just because he's making max well, the money. the contract doesn't matter. He's, he's, well, yeah, it, it, it sure it does. Not when the game starts. Sure it does. Sure it does. He he is not someone who, if he's asked, let's say, to score, they don't need him to score more. 14.6 is fine. It's fine. For this team right now, it's fine. I don't want him shooting more. He's not as good a percentage shooter as even Murray in the playoffs, much less Yo. But if they do start to do things, if if Jimmy Butler, for example, is starting to lock down where another player needs to step up and score. Porter well, Jimmy Jr. Butler's not going to guard Porter. No, Jimmy he's going to guard Murray. Murray. And that's my point. If they start stifling Jamal Murray a little bit, and Jamal has those, one of those three for 12 starts or something like that, they're going to need a guy like Porter to step up. Yeah, but I, I, I don't want Michael Porter taking 20 shots or more in a game. Oh, he yeah, hasn't well, I mean, in these playoffs. No, and I don't think he's, that's the plan. I, I want him sure. taking good percentage shots. I want him going to the basket. Uh, I want him getting the foul line a little bit. Um, I, I don't want him just spotting up as a three-point shooter. And he'll have chances to do that. I'm just saying so far in the playoffs, it seems to me that the shots he hasn't taken have been as impressive as the shots he's taken and made in many cases, that he hasn't gotten carried away and just looked for his shot, that he's been more a part of the offensive structure and an unselfish part of that structure, I I don't think the Nuggets, in terms of scoring distribution, really need to change all that much. Uh, Murray's not all of a sudden going to become just a 16-point-per-game guy when he's averaging 30 or more in these playoffs so far. I, I mean, the Heat aren't that good defensively. Uh, yeah, they have options on, on playing Murray, and their times... Uh, where they might be able to frustrate him. But I, I I think the temptation is now that they're in the finals, the temptation is to try to demonstrate your worth or maybe your growth. Okay. And I don't want Michael Porter putting on a demonstration. I want him to do what he's good at doing and uh, be efficient, which he has been so far in the playoffs. But I, I don't agree that he needs to transform himself into an 18 to 20 point guy. Will there be opportunities in a given game or a certain situation uh, for him to score timely points? Yes. I, I'm more impressed with the timeliness of his scoring than the volume of his scoring. The volume of his scoring doesn't matter. Uh, it's the timing of scoring, and in the past, it was exactly the other way around. Michael Porter Jr. scored points because he took a lot of shots. Uh, his three-point percentage would go up and down depending on his shot selection, which would uh, come and go. Uh, I think uniformly in his playoffs, I, I can't think of a game where he shot them out of the game. No. We can find in Michael Porter's regular season career, certainly, and even in previous playoff series, where, yes, his shooting has helped them win. He's also shot them out of some games. and uh, Or, I, or 
just performed don't, don't badly think that's and kept shooting, kept shooting, kept shooting, almost like he was a member of the 2023 Boston Celtics. I, I don't want Michael Porter playing like a Boston Celtic plays. I want Michael Porter to do what he needs to do for the Nuggets to win, and I think he's more willing now to embrace that. Uh, but it, there may be temptations uh, in this series uh, if he is guarded by someone who's five or six inches shorter, and that's almost inevitable because at right. 6'10", he's bigger than anybody on the Miami Heat who's likely to play a significant role. It will be a fascinating game. One, of course, we'll have an opportunity to talk about it tomorrow as well. Thanks to uh, everyone who interacted on the call and text line. Thanks so much for uh, Ryan Blackburn joining us, of course, from Miami Sports. Uh, Nino Samuel, the gameplay designer of NBA 2K23, and many of those in that long-running series also joined us. If you missed any part of it, you can always... Go to MileySports.com or grab it on the free app and it'll all be on demand. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth for making us sound great. Big thanks to Sandy Clough, who, by the way, I mean, when you talk about uh, not only is he the uh, longest tenured guy in this business, that's just the hardest working, doing the morning show with Bruce Hurdle, coming in and knocking out a podcast with George Carl. Then we talked to this pregame, pregame with Coach Carl before coming in here, then doing this show. Back at it tomorrow, the man, the myth, the legend, the machine, Sandy Clough, uh, thanks so much for all the hard work and looking forward to talking about this with you again tomorrow. Nobody else I'd rather break it up with. For Sandy, I'm Sean. Thanks for listening. Keep it right here. My Life Sports.